I think the most important piece of advice would be to have young people focus on self-discovery to find out what really truly makes them happy at their core. Don't go to, into sales if you can't stand rejection, right? If you love working with children and it's always been your heart since you were in high school, you love babysitting, then go in a profession that works with children. I think that what happens is people go into careers for you know whatever reasons and then 20 years later, they hate their job and they hate their life and then they find what they wanted to start with at the beginning. Welcome to The In Factor conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and our next guest, Lisa Marie Garcia, founded one of the first telecommunications professional services firms in the United States when she was only 27 years old. She brought this company to market, building offices in Seattle and Portland, before selling it and moving into publishing in 2014. She is the author of Never Drink Coffee During a Business Meeting and co-author of My Calendar is Written in Crayon and soon to be released 90 Day Author. Ms. Garcia is the Chief Operating Officer and an equity partner of Now Publishing, a multi-genre publishing house located in the Tampa area. I'm excited to have Lisa on the podcast today and I hope you enjoy it. So I'm very excited today to welcome to the program, Lisa Marie Garcia. Lisa, thank you for joining me today on InFactor. Thank you, Dr. White, for having me. Excited to have you here. You started your first company when you were 27, and since then you've had extensive Fortune 100, 500 corporate experience. I think you were out in Seattle, Washington for a while, and you're now here in Tampa, Florida, where I am. What kind of advice would you give to people, particularly new graduates and, you know, and I have uh, maybe even young women starting to enter a startup or top executive space? Entering a startup on their own or, you know, trying for that big, going for that big position, I would say make sure you really understand what the day-to-day, week-to-week of that dream position or dream job or dream company that that you pull, you take to market for millions, make sure you really understand what that day-to-day looks like. Because of those of us that have been in positions and have maybe learned the hard way, sometimes, you know, be careful what you wish for because you landed it. And then when you get there, you find out that you're inside how many hours and you find out you're an outside person. So just as a very simple explanation, but it's, it's important to know what your life really looks like in whatever your dream job or dream company you hope to be a part of. That's really great advice. You know, I've had a number of guests on this program that have talked about thinking that they had, you know, that the career, the right career for them was one, either corporate or startup, and it ended up being maybe not what they originally imagined. But I guess once you start figuring that out, the next step is is kind of taking that that big step and taking that risk. You have a passion for helping people figure out their career and make good business decisions. Your first book has a really interesting and captivating title, Never Drink Coffee During a Business Meeting. And I must admit, when I picked up this book, I was very intrigued, love the title, and I had to go straight to chapter 12, I confess, and figure out why the title, but it was great advice 
about that particular piece. And I know the book is way more than that, but can you share a little bit more about it? And I, I found it really fascinating because I used to be a coffee drinker. I'm now a tea drinker, but either way, there's some really interesting even research that you talk about in there. Well, well, thank you. And I will tell you, I can't take credit with coming up with that book title. I wish I could. It was a combination of my publisher and then also my mentor, my very first, I met my really very first hands-on mentor for a couple of years in my life, Robin Button, who wrote the foreword for my book. But the idea is, and it sounds like it worked, that the publisher said, you know, we need to have a title. And this is about seven, seven years ago before I even went into publishing that taught me a fundamental. And a fundamental about a book is you, you need to get a title, have a book cover that is catchy, right? That makes the person pick up the book. And then there's that whole anatomy of the book sale, but it starts with reading the cover, liking the image, liking the color, liking what the title is. So I love that that worked for you. And then of course the play on it is that Starbucks headquarters was one of my enterprise size clients in my first company. So that was fun. And there's a fun story in there about how it was mandatory that all our, my employees had to become trained baristas. So that's another fun, fun thing that happened with that engagement with Starbucks. But, but yes, the idea is, and again, my publisher would say, don't tell anyone because you want them to buy your book. But the answer to why to never drink coffee during a business meeting is the idea that you should never leave a business conference while in progress. And so if you don't drink coffee in the meeting or water or such, right, you might not have to leave the room to go to the ladies room. That's the whole idea behind it. Now, this title came before Lean In. Actually, I want to make sure that's truthful. May or may not, but what I would say is I, I loved the Lean In book and love Sheryl Sandberg, and I didn't read it when, I, when we published this book, so there you go. But it is that concept, and you know, now we're on the Zooms because of what's going on, and now we're on you know, WebEx and, and Google Meet and all of that, and it, it's really that idea of understanding your sphere of influence right? Whether it's with people that have never met you before, whether it's with teammates or external clients, it's, you know, being engaged and with understanding your sphere of influences is also the idea that, you know, be bold in what your conviction is on whatever your whatever meeting you're in, you know, whether you're male or female. So that's, that's really what that's about. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And you know, you, you brought up, you know, we are now what, four months or so five months into this pandemic that has really gripped the entire world. And we're doing so many Zoom meetings or other meetup meetings and other kinds of interactions. So, you know, it does become, it's kind of different, but I think the advice is still really important and very timely. And, you know, this whole book gives tons of great advice. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and kind of how you learned all that, and then we'll get into some more of that advice. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for asking. You're right now in the personal space that I'm in. I'm a mom of a, she just turned 14 yesterday, and a 15 and a half year old daughter. And so because I'm in that space, I am acutely aware of the limited time I have to impact these daughters of mine before they maybe don't live, we don't all live together under the same roof. And so because of that, I'm I'm extra hyper-focused on what can I impart with them on wisdom? What can I show them that I do on how they should manage things? And I'm hyper-focused now, but I've always felt like a leader in that space. And so, yes, this book of Never Drink Coffee During a Business Meeting is all that advice that I couldn't put in my employee handbook 
but I would tell my new employees. And at that time in the world, there weren't a lot of tech degrees. There weren't a lot of women coming out with a tech degree, even undergrad. And so my profile of an employee in my first tech company was a recent college graduate. So they would have varying undergrad degrees, but that was a requirement because of course it, you know, showed me, demonstrated a few things for them. You know, one of course being dedication and a commitment, but basically my background is that I was fortunate to get a summer job when I was a junior at the University of Utah. I'm from Salt Lake City at IBM and IBM happened to own a telecommunications company called Rome. And they, and they put me into a summer administration, administrative job that summer doing contracts and things. I wasn't very interested in it. It was just a job. I mean, I was very footloose and fancy free because of course I should be at that or, you know, was very young and, and, and had fun and was ready to go back to school to finish my senior year at the U. And they offered me a software design engineering position. It meant that I had to finish my degree after hours, which I did, but you know, I did not pick to be in technology. My degrees in business, not not technology. So it was a very different world back then. But within a couple of years of working for IBM Rome that became Rome Siemens, I was assigned to be the senior engineer for a large project in Seattle. So I find myself there. I'm working 100 hours a week. I've given, get, I was given a lot of responsibility at 26, which might not have been the wisest thing for the company to do because as my project manager and my boss's boss both went out on medical stress leave and had problems with the project, I'm left in charge at 26. Wow. Wow. So the short story is I, I left my job impetuously and resigned. And within six months, they called me back and asked me, uh, my boss's boss's boss in Portland said, we're sorry you left. Will you come back? And you have to tell me today because we're going to give you the Macy's account. You got to be on a plane to Spokane. So that's birthed my tech company that I brought to market at year 16 and had for 18 years, multiple offices, multiple clients like Naki and NASA, and wrote my book kind of about that. So very fortunate and blessed. Yeah, so that's, so you've definitely got some experience and, and especially as a woman in the tech space, you know, in a past interview, I talked with Randy Zuckerberg and I know she made a move from Silicon Valley because she had a, has a passion for for helping young girls and young women find places in the tech space. And so your book, I think you talk about it sort of being a mentoring memoir to women to help them climb the corporate ladder. When you think of that, could you share a few of what are some of the most important lessons that have helped you succeed in business that, you know, you would like to share? Absolutely. You know, first and foremost is that you do you benefit so greatly by the mentors in your life, by the now, you know, it's very common for the, all these mastermind groups, the girls in tech groups. I mean, these groups didn't necessarily exist how they do today. It's so important, I think, if you're a young woman starting your career to plug into those. You know, there's so much wisdom. There's so many lessons you don't have to learn the hard way. You know, there are still some you do. I, I'm a firm believer of that. But, you know, I would say maybe let's use the 80-20 rule. You know, I think there's 20% of those lessons in life and business mistakes that you make that you need to, but 80% of them learn from someone else and don't go down that road if you can help it. So for sure, you know, the mentorship, even for a long time for myself, I didn't have someone that I that was a business mentor to me. You can bet I have a couple of them. I mean, I would rely on my father is 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 a business mentor for me and always will be, but I have a couple myself and I just find such great benefit. You know, sometimes you can't talk to anyone about your organization issues except for that one person, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. you struggle with it. 
another, you know, another thing that I think is important is you've got to be plugged in to, you, you not only need to be nimble and flexible and easy adaptable, but you've got to know what you might need to adapt or bend to. And I think that, especially for me, I'll just tell you, I had a bias early on because I was in tech and what my job would be, would be programming. So when my laptop was open, I was always working. I wasn't that person initially, and this is years ago, that would want to be searching the internet or listening to podcasts or watching YouTubes. Because to me, when my laptop was open, I was working. And so I think that was not a good thing for me because now... There's so much out there that is so so good for you. I mean, even this morning, I was listening to a podcast about accounting, and I probably would have told you I'm good with you know business accounting and all of that, but she just threw a new idea I'd never thought about that made a ton of sense. And so, you know, it it is, and, and here I'm talking to Dr. White from the University of Tampa, you need to be continually increasing your education and your knowledge and listening to different thought leaders, true authentic thought leaders that have experience to back up what they say. I find a ton of value in that for me. Absolutely. So, you know, I'd say start, start with those two, two items and we will benefit you. So, so seeking out and effectively using mentors and becoming a lifelong learner. Those are two great pieces of advice. And you're right. There's so much available now you know, this, this podcast, as a matter of fact, is, is, you know, a new phase in my career, having been an entrepreneur and an educator for many, many years, and finding the opportunity to share the people like you that I get to talk with and the, you know, what I've learned over the years through this medium has been really, really exciting for me. And, you know, it's reminding me, too, of all the things I continue, can continue to learn from other people. When we talk about mentoring, let's, let's hone in on that just a little bit. You know, do you have any advice about finding a mentor and then even how to best interact with a mentor? You know, I encourage my students, I sometimes even assign that, that they have to have a mentor, but I don't know that it always comes intuitively to them how to get the most out of that relationship and, and what that relationship means. And, you know, a lot of times I, I talk to them about how there has to be some reciprocity in it because mentors, I think, also need to feel like you're actually acting on their advice and you're, uh, you know, you're, they're getting something back from it, a feeling that they're make, making a difference or, or something. So do you have any thoughts on how best to find mentors and how to use them more effectively and for I our do. listeners? Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. And I'll, I'll reference back to the, to the mentees that I've worked with since I moved to Tampa. And I'll tell you the relationship started as a, you know, business relationship and now they're friends. I'm just thinking about a couple of them right now, just, you know, really dear friends. But what was wonderful about, about the relationships, the first one, how it started was the gal actually, uh, Yolanda, she actually, you know, reached out and said, I have a serious question for you. And it was kind of funny. And she says, will you be my mentor? So I appreciate that she was just bold from the beginning. And just asked me straight on that question to begin it. And she actually, at the time, she was trying to get a director's position at Coca-Cola, 
we ended up working together and she actually got a VP position at Coca-Cola and then left for an even better job based on that. So it was a very fruitful relationship, I thought, for her. And of course, now she's a friend of mine. But what I loved about her approach was that she was very respectful of my time and would, and would say, you know, why don't we schedule in advance once a month? You know, we just meet somewhere. And that, of course, works for someone that has a busy schedule. You know, you put it in there very, you know, just what you would want, very respectful. And she would, as you said, I would give her advice and she would light up and say, oh, that's a great idea. And then, you know, go forward with it. So that's the satisfaction I would get when I would see that happen. We would do, you know, the things like the role playing and she, you know, so I could kind of quiz her and get her ready for that, you know, upper level type of discussion. I do think that what, I, what I've seen in some of my experience that might not be the most positive is because there's a lot of business coaching out there, I've seen where people have paid basically for the mentor of a coach, and what, but when I've dug deeper and, found, and heard from people to say that they might not have been as satisfied as they wanted to be, I asked them, well, what was it that that coach was doing or what had they done in their experience that you were aspiring for, right? So if you're in the tech sector, you know, get a, find a mentor, some woman that has gotten to the level that you aspire for or is in the organization that you aspire to be in or has some significant, you know, information that you've that that you know will apply to you then go after that person so i i really like that test of you know how many businesses have you brought to you know market that kind of thing so i think that's important when you're looking for a mentor there is a, a line and i i just remembered it now in my book where we say aspire to the position to the potential not the position mm-hmm. so you know it's mm-hmm. that idea so look for that mentor but i think the mentor itself has to have that mentoring heart, you know, and has to have that passion and not everyone does. And so you need to be okay with that. And, you know, we have very successful clients in our, in our client house writing these amazing books. And, and trust me, it, it sometimes drives us crazy how we can't get a meeting with them for two or three weeks, but we understand that's because they're so successful that they don't have that time. So you also need to be prepared to understand. You might ask someone that just honestly doesn't have the time at this point. And that you'll find someone else great. Mm-hmm. Great advice. So, so making sure that that's a good fit and that, that that person really has experienced or has some area of expertise that, that you're seeking. So it, it, it kind of goes back to knowing yourself and knowing what you're seeking as well and really honing in on that. So, you know, you bring up that I think in today's world, there are a lot of people who suggest that they're experts. And, and so you really have to, you have to delve in a little deeper sometimes to understand whether they really do have that expertise or not that's going to fit for you. So it's, it's great yeah. advice. Now, tell us about what you're doing today. I know you're a mother. I think I read that you're a musician also. You're a keynote speaker. You're an author. You have a company that you're CEO of. Tell us, uh, tell us what you're doing now and tell us a little bit about how you manage all of that. You mentioned two daughters and, and teenagers, and that's a full-time job, of course, in and of itself. So you, you definitely have a lot going on. Tell us about what you're doing and, and kind of how do you manage all that? How do you figure that all out? 
Oh, I'll tell you, I'll start with the, the last part. How I manage it is every day, day by day. There's no overall, I got it covered, right? It's every day. And I was just sharing with you earlier that I have little sleep because yesterday was my youngest daughter's 14th birthday. So I had five 14-year-old girls and my 15-year-old and half girl here who they don't believe in sleep. So it's little sleep, but lots of fun. And yeah, being their mom is my favorite job for sure. Right now, my my days, my energies outside of taking care of my daughters is being the COO of Now Publishing. We're at a great point. We're, this is, it was a startup company about four and a half years ago. About, I'd say about five or six months ago, we really hit the, we're, we're on top of the mountainside. You know, it's always the climb and the climb. And I mean, in essence, to say the climb's over, you know, wouldn't necessarily be true for any business, but we're really at a great place. And the reason I believe we're at a great place with our team is that, you know, all of this hard dig in work now is where our trees are having fruit. So we've had, we have the highest client levels we've had right now. We came out with about seven new products and line of revenue since the COVID shut in. I think that has a lot to do with all the time, extra time we've had from getting in our, you know, outside of having to get in a car, go downtown, get in our office and all that running around. It's been a benefit for our company. And I know that's not how it is for all of companies and not a lot of people. So I definitely feel, you know, blessed in that way for sure. Mm -hmm. But what we're doing is we not only are the, am I proud of the products and the new programs that we're, we've offered since the shut-in, but I'm proud in the way that our team has looked at the new surrounding and the new world because we are in one and saying, and so for just as a, for instance, you know, we're a traditional publishing house. So the client that is the self-publisher isn't a client that fits in our, our team. Well, what did we do? We set up two things for self-published authors. We set up an online course where in six weeks we taught people how to self-publish. So we said, you take this online course and we'll show you on a screen, share, record it, and giving them hard copy documents. Here's how to upload to Amazon. Here's how to upload to Barnes and Noble. Here's the formatting you need. It was an idea that we ran for six weeks and it was so we had nine authors and it was so successful we ran a second one. We're in the middle of the second one. Great. So yeah. It was great. And, and that came stemmed from, look, we're in a world right now that's very precarious. Let's just help people write their books. Whether they write with now publishing or not, let's not care about that. Let's just help people write their story and make an impact in this uh, treacherous world. And that was, you know, back in April. But yeah, my, my life is very much about the doings at now publishing. And, and that goes from, every, we've, we've hired two people during this shut-in time. So I'm really in the thick of probably where I would say I was in the tech company about year, you know, 10 or 12, when we've got kind of all systems going in different directions, but always on the same path together. And we're really in that, you know, amplifying and maybe amplifying is the right word, maybe making sure that our teamwork is efficient. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I have to say the one thing that I wake up in the morning to that's kind of on my mind overreaching is, is that right at this moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you bring up a lot of really interesting points. First of all, congratulations on the now publishing. It sounds very exciting, and I look forward to learning more as a writer myself. And congratulations on finding opportunities during this challenging time. As you pointed out, not everybody has, you know, I had a, a podcast with a woman who had a very hands-on, kind of literally physical hands-on business. And it's a whole different experience, but she too managed to find opportunities during this time. So I think one of the fascinating things about what you talked about 
is how the entrepreneurial mindset always goes toward finding opportunities during during challenging times. And in your business, I'm guessing that technology has always played a pretty important role. You know, obviously you've been in tech, but even in the publishing space. So what kinds of changes do you see for businesses in this space? You know, I know investments in tech, everybody's kind of got a mind on that. What else, what else do you see? Or do you have any other thoughts on, you know, how entrepreneurs who are who are either trying to launch their companies or already out there, you know, might be thinking about what the new, I don't know if I want to call it the new normal, but what the new stage stage of business is going to look like. Right. I was just trying to recall, I just read about recently a whole new business and now I'm, I'm forgetting what it is, but it was an absolute new line of business that I had never heard of. I don't think anyone had ever heard of heard of, and it's right on par with what we're doing and how we're acting. And you know, congratulations to that person. And I love what you said. You're right, entrepreneurs. I mean, we have that mind of how can we look at it differently. Where is their money in a new idea? Right. So as an entrepreneur, you're looking. Okay, what's the where's the, the hidden revenue? It's got to be some hidden revenue. And you know, as part of that, when we first went into shut-in and people had never heard the word Zoom, which we of course have been using Zoom in our company for a while, I just said, darn it, can't I put together a conference bridge company? Right. I mean, I wish I was back in tech. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and actually, for my taste, my opinion is, you know, Microsoft projects or Teams, those other ones, they came really late in the game. I'm very surprised that, that we didn't have this big, you know, boom and look at Zoom, look at their stocks and all that. I'm, right. I'm surprised that we don't have like, you know, 25 options at this point. So yeah. that drives me, I'm, I'm very surprised of that. But, you know, to me, what sits with me, and even as we think about what we're doing with our team, so, you know, we were in an office downtown on Kennedy, going to work every day, you know, being part of brick and mortar, and now we're more efficient that we're not doing that. We do things like make sure that when we're on Zoom, we're on video. So we're actually not multitasking. Some of our team members are really paying attention to the conversation. That's part of something we've learned. But I, you know, we've thought about as a team, okay, we will maybe move back to brick and mortar back in September 1. And now, you know, let's take the COVID questionable stats, you know, out to the side. But it's really about what is the, the new behavior you know, what is the new behavior, an expectation of the client where they used to like, to, they, they actually loved that they had a personal Tampa-based publisher, you know, so they could see us in person. They're mm -hmm. perfectly fine with Zoom. Mm -hmm. So if we look at, at that behavior and what's new about that, then, you know, maybe let's lose our old perceptions of how we should act and where we should live and, and all of that. So for me, it's, it's really that the new behaviors is what I pay the most attention to for any part of our business, revenue or client-based or team-based. That's a great way to look at it. So what it sounds like to me is that everything's out on the table again to look at. And I like your, your idea of behaviors. You know, in some ways, I think, well, I totally agree with you. In some ways, I'm very surprised that we had, had not, that we didn't have more companies that were kind of thinking about this because I think we were headed in this remote work direction anyway, but this really accelerated it. And it's, I think, you know, and I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to add on how to manage a workforce and a team during this kind of, you know, working remotely. I know 
back in 2004, I was co-founder of a risk mitigation company. And we worked remotely, mainly because we didn't have any money for, for real estate. <laughs> and, and it was just two professors actually starting a company. And you know, we ended up we ended up getting a space in an incubator, but but we did a lot of remote work at the time, and there were tons of challenges. You brought up you know getting people to really pay attention and be engaged, and and I know from working at home myself that it's it's easy to go throw in a load of laundry, <laughs> take some distraction. And do you have any thoughts on on that? You know, managing that workforce and how to make that work. Yes, for sure. So you know, your people are still the same and you're still the same manager, right? With a certain mindset. And what do we learn in basic business about, you know, managing by personality? I know it's not, that's not the term, but basically you still have that dynamic. You know, you still have, we definitely deal with that in our team with all our various backgrounds and personalities. But with this, you know, managing remotely, communicating remotely, the fundamental is acting and operating like a well-oiled machine team. I mean, it really is that. And that is really what I think is the, you know, my main job and I'm, you know, over operations, it's operations for the company, operations for the clients, but really it's operations for the team. Because if our team is operating as they should, then everything else falls into place. So the difficulty with not being together and for the most part, we all like each other. We all, you know, respect each other, of course, but all like each other and like to work together. So the difficulty is we don't get to see each other. We're on the Zoom. So what's actually happened to us real life is we've been more, we've used a little bit more spreadsheets. We've used a little bit more recurring meetings with certain names. So we all have very clear expectations. You know, this is a huddle call. This is a manuscript call. This is a discovery call where we've been a little bit more deliberate so we can prepare for this is the type of meeting we're having. You know, this is what the expectations within that meeting is. So just a little bit more hands-on to make the structure maybe more into the virtual environment Mm -hmm. is what I've noticed we've done. And it seems to be working, you know, better, you know, every week, every month. I was going to mention that one of the fun things is within the last, maybe the last half a year, we started to say, you know, we're not having the fun that we need to have. Mm -hmm. We've tried to, which as we know, and especially when we're working around the clock, which we are now that we're virtual, you know, a lot of people are, we need to make sure that we have the fun, whether it's, you know, now it might just be a happy hour fun over Zoom, which I don't know how happy that is, but, um, (laughs) but just as deliberate as we are about the type of meeting and the structure within our company, since we're remote, you know, you still need to have some structure with having fun. So that's, yeah, that's great advice. You know, I wrote a blog post about social, you know, working and interacting and networking in this social distancing world. And one of the things I talked about was trust and the fact that, you know, a lot of times, you know, I have a national network of people that I work with and a lot of them, I, prior to all of this, I saw on a, you know, at least an annual basis at conferences or at other meetings where we could get together. So because of that past experience, we're still able to accomplish a lot remotely but without that interaction, you know, the, you know, occasionally having dinner together or sharing a glass of wine or, or whatever you like to drink together, you know, sometimes it's a little harder. So, so I think your point about being deliberate about, you know, fun and even talking with your colleagues about things that aren't work related so that you know them 
Mm -hmm. you, know, you have a personal relationship with them almost has to be deliberate now because otherwise it, it, I know with the people that I supervise, I've tried to, you know, spend a little bit more time. I'm a very, like, I read your book and you're, you're pretty, you mentioned that you're fast talking and, and you move very fast and I'm the same way. Yeah. And I, I find myself impatient sometimes when people can't keep up. So I've had to really, you know, I've had to really kind of be aware of that, you know, even a little bit more. So, so a lot of it is being thoughtful about some of the things that you take for granted, I guess, when you're able to see each other every day. That's a hundred percent right. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad I'm not the only one because yes, <laughs> I have to tell myself, slow down. It doesn't matter if it's going to take 10 extra seconds, you know, and I actually do have to talk to myself and say that. And, you know, it's just one of those things. So yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, someone explained it to me as being very task driven. So when you're very focused on being, you know, tasks and checking off the boxes, you know, sometimes you forget that other people aren't exactly at the same place. So over the years, you, you do a lot of, you've done a lot of speaking and books, a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with lots of, lots of business leaders and, you know, you've written your books and now you're doing publishing. Can you tell us you've experienced a lot of things? And one of the one of the topics that really actually drove me to develop this podcast was the whole focus on trying to help entrepreneurs become more resilient. And resiliency is, I think, talked about a lot more today than it was, but I was seeing some things among my students that concern me about whether they had the resilience to really endure what a startup life might bring them. So my question for you is, do you have any stories or, or anything, any challenges or failures that you've faced that you've had to overcome? And, and if so, do you have any advice about, about building resilience and keeping going during those times? That's a big question. So yes, and yes, and yes. I guess the first thing when you talk about resilience, I remember a story of a client, a potential client brought to us. He's potential because he ended up not signing with us. And the story was that he was on a, a college canoe or kayaking team and their team was in first place. And it was a really big deal. It was a championship or some sort of thing like that. And they got to, they were way out in front and they were exhausted. They weren't at the finish line. They were exhausted. And I guess they took a little break and just knowing that they could because they had it, you know, figuring they could. And of course, what happened is the second place team finished, went ahead of them and won. And it was, they were taking a break right around the corner from the finish line. I mean, just like oh. right there. He said they were exactly. And that just has stuck in my head as, as far as a definition of resiliency is how you keep it, how you don't give up because you don't know if it's right there. You know, you don't know how close you are or how far you are. And if you just keep that and that story sticks with me, obviously that's why I'm sharing it today. You know, you've got to just see the finish line and not worry about how far it is away. You know, you've got to see that finish line and not worry about it being behind the rocks and the mountain that you can't see. You know, so for me, and, and 
I will say it might be easy for me to say that. And it is because I've seen success before in my tech company. So granted, I, I understand that, you know, you could say, well, she knows that because she's seen success before, but it wasn't, I was not successful every year of the 16 years I had my tech company. We went through the dot-com. We went through the 2008-9, the recession. We went through, what was the other thing that was pretty good? 9-11. 9-11 and Y2K. Y2K, I did not have a dime of revenue for the whole year of Y2K until August. And then we made up our year. So can you imagine, and payroll, and the whole thing in offices. So, so I think that I guess my, you know, my advice is that most humans have gone through the valleys and have gone through the peaks. And I think that what happens is we forget that the low goes high, right? And, and so then we're surprised or we're shocked or what are we going to do because this is not working out like planned. Well, go back in your memory is what I say. And remember that you might've been in a situation just like this or worse and you did get through it. So, you know, to me, that's, you know, a good definition for, for resiliency, but absolutely this company, this publishing company is an apple versus an orange for my tech company. And for one main reason, and that is revenue. And as we know, you know, better than I do the stats of, you know, what is the primary reason that businesses fail? It's usually cash flow, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And so that, you know, so what I'm saying is where I might have a change order, in my tech company for $10,000 that didn't mean much to me. When we first started, we didn't even have a price that was 10,000, it was below. So the idea of having a company when working ca when capital wasn't an issue versus one that is 100% issue has made my experience as being a business owner very different. And so, you know, that for sure, I would say has been a big part of the story and how, you know, what I've experienced different in the publishing company that has made me learn to dig in. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the reason that I, part of the reason that I believe we're so successful now is because we, I've been digging in and I'll continue to do it. Yeah. What a great story and what great advice because you're right. I mean, right now, for example, we all feel like this whole COVID-19 thing is just dragging on and on and on. And, you know, we have to even stay positive and resilient as individuals and have hope and optimism that you know we're going to we're going to have some positive outcomes but in the meantime it you know we that that you know we can't can't give up have to keep our eye on the prize and and it's just listening to you talk about the difference in the businesses that you've been involved in it's it's a great reminder of why being a lifelong learner can serve you so well in every aspect of business, really, because you're, you had to learn, relearn a lot of things and learn in different. So congratulations on that. Lisa, this has been really, really interesting for me. I've learned so much and I'm excited to learn more about your, your company. I'm going to go do a little bit more research. As I mentioned, I, you know, I have a, I have a book idea. So looking forward to learning more about what you do. But before we wrap this up, I always like to ask my guests, you've given us so many great things to think about today. But if there was one piece of advice that you would like to leave with our listeners today, what would that be? I think the most important piece of advice would be to have young people focus on self-discovery to find out what really truly makes them happy at their core. Don't go to, into sales if you can't stand rejection, right? If you love working with children and it's always been your heart since you were in high school, you love babysitting, then go in a profession that works with children. I think that 
what happens is people go into careers for you know, whatever reasons. And then 20 years later, they hate their job and they hate their life. And then they find what they wanted to start with at the beginning. So I think that's the most important thing. And I do tell that to my daughters. I tell them to get their PhD just like you in anything. I don't care. Just be the best in whatever field you want to because, you know, life is short and precious. That's great advice. Thank you for that. So where can our listeners find you, connect with you, learn more about you and your company? Thank you. Well, we have publishwithnow.com is our website. And if you want to search up the things we do for clients, just search up hashtag now publishing. And I had mentioned that we're putting together a book of 25 change makers right now in Tampa Bay. We want to hear from people that have positively changed their business during this shut in time. And we want to, we were vetting to find those companies that say that they've done, you know, A, B or C, that it's been a change and we're putting together that book. So if you connect with us, you'll get some information on that. That's exciting. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lisa. It's been my pleasure and a delight to have you. Mine as well. Thanks so much, Dr. Wright.